This is the GGC Life Podcast. You know, I, um, I remember when I did Bible college 20 years ago. My goodness. I know, I was just born. And, um, <laughs> and I just remember a statistic. I don't remember the number, but I remember what he said. And I laughed at it. And he's like, out of the thousand in this room, probably only 95% will be in ministry in 10 years. And I was laughed. But how interesting that 20, sorry, won't be in ministry. Isn't that what I said? No. 95% won't be in ministry. And only, it's only a handful will still be there in 10 years. And I laughed at that. I said, are you kidding? Of course. We're all saying yes to the core. We all said yes to Jesus. Why would we stop? And I've looked in the journey and I've seen a lot of my friends in college walk away from God, marriages, all these things. And I go, what happened to when I said yes? And that was over 23, four years ago till now. What's kept it? Has it been good teaching, good church, good people? I truly believe what keeps me going is that my eyes don't shift from Jesus. Walking in this holy, reverential fear of who my God is keeps me the path. I don't get sidetracked. Does that mean I haven't stumbled and fall? We all stumble and we all fall, right? We all stumble. We all make mistakes. But it's the choice whether I learn my mistake, whether I run back to his face, or whether I've made too many mistakes, it's too hard and I go back. And so I thank you, Jesus, not for the last 11 years, but for the 23 years of being a born-again believer, for the 18, almost 19 years of marriage, my family. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for every single person who has said yes to you. Lord, I thank you that we will do as your word says, that we will continue to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling, Lord. I thank you that at the end of time, when it all is said and done, that we will be able to hear those good and well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Jesus, that we will continue to press forward. Amen. Amen. Oh, yes. Clap to that. Let's turn to Revelations 2. Let's turn to Revelations 2. Don't be distracted by the bountiful goodness. Hey, just real quick, um, I need to apologize. See, we all make mistakes. It was Matthias. <laughs> I did say it was too loud. I didn't mean to pick on Matthias on the drums. He's an incredible drummer. I blame the sound guy. He controls the drums. <laughs> but where are you, Matthias? Where is he? Oh, he's offended. Oh. <laughs> We're doing altar call. I'm preaching on offense uh, when he gets back there. Oh, I had a word for him. Oh, that's all good. Uh, cool. Hey, Dave. Dave Nina, Dave. Where's Dave? By the way. Can you hear me? Cool. Before I knew your story, I had God said that God honors your yes and obedience. And then I hear your story that it took 20 years, but he honors your obedience. And and I I saw this picture of a snow, uh, like rolling down the hill. 
And, and it's the top of the hill that you're at now, and that snowball is just going to cause just gigantic effects. I can see that because of your obedience, now watch it fast pace. Watch the next 20 years be quicker than the last 20 years, and watch it even more influence over your life and Nina's life. Amen. And Matthias, well, you're here in the building. I just publicly apologized. Is that Matthias? It is Matthias. I can't see. I said sorry for making something about your drums, but... Um, hey, man, I believe in this next season, there's more of a global, I think, global and state, state and global prophetic thing on your life where God wants to show you things for nations, not just for people, but for nations. Continue stewing, stewarding the voice of God over your life because the more you steward, the more he can trust you with greater revelations to come. And the world needs to hear like a Jeremiah, like an Isaiah, like the voice for the nation. I believe God wants to stew, use you for that in, this, in, in your future life, bro. Continue doing well. You're an amazing man of God. Amen. Revelation 2. All right. It says here, verse 1, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold stamps. Verse 2, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance, and I know you don't tolerate evil people. This is a good church, yeah? Would you agree? This is a very good church. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Wow, I want to go to this church, don't you? Sounds like a good church. But I have this one complaint. Everybody say one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen from your first love. Repent. Turn back to me again and work as you did at first. Because if you don't, I will come and remove your lampstand, your lampstand from its place among the churches. Who's ever dated? Anyone ever dated? Gone on dates? No one. How are you all married? You've all gone on dates, right? Especially these new Gen Zs and, and all that. They, they go on wild stuff. Like, have you seen some of the latest proposals lately? Like, I hear there was a flash, a flash mob proposal. It's on YouTube right now, and it was w- awesome, dude. We had people going on beaches and go on, like, an adventures, and it's like, like, there's a picnic. There's the worship team, the serenade, and the bride's like, oh, my goodness. There's, like, drones flying around, capturing every moment. I got proposed. When I proposed, there was no such thing as drones. You know, there was, no, there was no internet. I had to do it the good old way. Will you marry me? She said, yes. I went, amen. And then I went home. So, <laughs> we didn't have friends to do anything fancy. But you know, in the dating scene, right, you do whatever you can for your girlfriend or boyfriend, right? You pursue them. Right, you, you just do. You, you, Valentine's is coming up, and for some of you dating, even newly married people, you're about to be a bit silly and spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on flowers that will only last three days. So I bought roses for my wife already from, for Valentine's. We're building them at the moment, bit by bit. Lego, they last forever. So every Valentine's Day, honey, happy Valentine's. Great investment, right? But I did, I pursued my wife as a, we, we would ask her, I'm not lying, right? We would, we would talk on the phone daily 
for months, if not years, for hours. So much so that when I went to Italy, I racked up my dad's phone bill. So much so that he said, Salvatore, I've never picked on my dad. How does he do his voice? Let me go, Salvatore, <laughs> you're paying for this. <laughs> We're in the hundreds. I'm 17. I'm not paying for this. I worked for it. I pursued her immensely. Now, 18, almost 19 years of marriage with four kids and full-time the question I had to ask myself is, I might have pursued her then, but what about today? Do I pursue my wife as much as I pursued her back then? Now, granted, things are different. I'm not going to call her every day. I still call you every day. Even though I'm not, I'll call you from work. I'll call you on my drives. I do all these things. Why? I still want to pursue my first love. Amen? Now, let's fix our eyes back on when we first got saved. You remember that day? When you gave your heart to Jesus and the following weeks after that, you went to Kurong, all right? You bought every single bumper sticker, okay, for all those older people. And everyone would know you're a Christian because of your 10 stickers. So you had to drive nice. You couldn't, you couldn't beep at anyone. You couldn't give them the finger. You had to be holy and pure. And that's why a lot of you now don't drive with bumper stickers. I've noticed, right, because road rage is an issue, right? We would go out and buy the Christian shirt. So I went to Kurong. I want head to bottom. Clothe me. It must say Jesus, right? We did all that. We would go to church four times a Sunday. We would rock up on a Saturday and be like, why is the church closed? Like we would do whatever it takes to go after our Jesus. And my question is, 20 years later, are you still pursuing Jesus as much as you first did. And if not, God is calling us back to that place where we pursue Him. Because you see, the Ephesus church was doing a great job. GGC Life are doing great. We just planted our west. We're getting people baptized. We got ministries. We're saving people. We're doing things. But one thing is lacking. And I'm not saying that about us. It's a challenge to us. Have we forgotten our first love? Have we become a Martha? where we're distracted and we allowed the ministry overtake our Lord rather than being with the Lord over the ministry. And I don't mean our Sunday morning services. I mean our day-to-day lives seated at the feet of Jesus. <sighs> Revelation 2.4. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you once did. We need to be like Mary in 2024, down at his feet, close to the Lord. A life devoted to the feet of Jesus. Amen. For some of us, means bringing the fear of the Lord back. No more Jesus is my homeboy, but Jesus is my king. Anthony, you need to get a shirt? Go to Anthony Marisi. He's got Jesus' king shirts. All right, go order them right after the service and go make Jesus king. Wear the shirt. Be proud. There's your plug, Anthony. <laughs> If you're taking notes, this message is also prophetic. The the title of this message is a prophetic proclamation of our intimacy with Jesus for today, tomorrow, and forever. Repeat it after me. Closer, still. We are closer, still, to the heart of Jesus. So what do we do? The first thing is this. To be intimate with our Lord. To be fully in love with Jesus. Not just serving for Him, but... I love him. It takes an intimate life begins with a repentant heart. Now, I'm not talking unbelievers. And if Ephesus were unbelievers, repent. Repent. Everyone say repent. Arkan, say repent. Where's Arkan? 
Repent. His favorite word. Psalms 51. If you read Psalm... <laughs> Let's go to Psalm 51 real quick. Where's Psalm? Where's Psalm? Psalm 51. Tell me when you got it. See if you can beat me. What are all these numberings for if I can't... Ah, who beat me? Oh, well done. You had an iPhone. All right, Psalm 51. Because <laughs> if you had an Android, you'd still be searching. Oh, you got the Bible! Wow, Robin's got a handheld Bible. Love it! This is what you should be reading, people. Get out of your phones and get into a hard book. Amen? All right, Psalm 51. This is when David has fallen. This is what repentance means. Repentance doesn't mean I've stuffed up, I made a sin. Oh, okay, now I feel bad, I'm sorry. But then I go back to that sin. This is what it means. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Do you hear the cry of David's heart? He hates the sin that he's just walked in. And then he says this, For I recognize my shameful deeds, and they haunt me day and night. Against you, and you only have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Let's go 11 and 12. Do not, it says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew my steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast your presence from me or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That is an, a repented heart right there. See, you cannot have an intimate relationship with your Father in heaven while living an unrepentant life. Now, you see, I didn't say a sinless life. Because only one man lived a sinless life. That was Jesus. It's a repented life. See, trying to live sinless is trying to do it in your own strength. It's by works. I'm going to try not to sin. I'm going to do my best not to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm going to say no, 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 which is all well and good. But a repented life is completely different. In a biblical sense, it's to change 180 of how you think and then how you live. When you repent, it's I used to think this way, but now I'm changing to live this way. Is repentance done once or multiple times? Always. Martin Luther said this, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. It's not a one and done kind of a thing. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of living in obedience to the King Jesus. It's a lifestyle of living for Him and His sake and His kingdom alone. It's a lifestyle where it's not that I'm trying not to sin. I'm not even enticed by the sin because I'm purely pursuing my Jesus. And the more we live in this way, a repentant lifestyle, one where we continually go forward. You're so, maybe you're not committing great sins. I'm not talking about great sins. I'm talking about a life where we're living apart from the core that God's called us to live and how He's called us to live. Amen? It involves me, more than merely turning away from sin. Four thoughts on this, real quick. Psalm 51, verse 4 to 10. This is point one for this. Is True repentance involves a sense of your sinful nature. It involves a sense of your sinful nature, but it doesn't stop there. True repentance seeks after God's mercy and Jesus' forgiveness. The third thing, true repentance means a change of attitude and action regarding sin, Psalm 119. And last one is true repentance, results. Everybody say results. There's got to be results in a repentant life, amen? And it results in a radical pursuit of living a holy life, walking with God in obedience to His Word. 
Let me say that again. It is the pursuit. Say pursuit. It's a pursuit. I am going after this. This is something that I go after. A holy life walking with God in obedience to His Word. 2 Timothy 2.19 says this, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with His inscription. The Lord knows who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. It says, In a large house there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves with the latter will be instruments of special purposes, made holy. You are made holy. Why? To be useful to the master and prepared to do good works. 1 Peter 1.16, be holy as because I am holy. You see, Repentance recognizes that our sin is offensive to God. And this enables us to walk intimately with Him. Amen? But why do you want to be close to Him? Well, that's a good question, Sal. Why do you want to be close to the Lord? Because you know what? Unlike me, I like to shout and yell. I come from an Italian family. You all know my mom. Oh, Miss Mom, she's not here. But we yell. Right, And sometimes the only way to communicate to someone in my family is to get up and close and personal and actually have a chat with them. But who knows that I can't be close and personal with someone when there's something stopping me in the way. See, John and I have a good relationship. I think we do. Yes, we do. You just honor me. It's beautiful. Right? But there's something in the way. If there's a fence in the way of John and I, there is no way we can be so close, right, that I can hear his greatest thoughts, that I can hear the secrets, that he can talk to me and entrust me with things that he won't trust anyone else. You know, my wife is not here. I wish she was up here. Judah, get up. Quick, quick, quick. Jump, jump, jump. Right? If there was any hatred between my son and I, there is no way we could be this close where I embrace him as my, as a, embrace me, son. <laughs> I'll get Lydia next. (laughs) The Father wants to embrace you. And if there's anything hindering that embracement, the Father can't turn around and go, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're my son. Keep going. I know you've got this. I know it's hard, but you've got this. The Father wants you to turn to Him. A life of repentance. One running from sin, just like the prodigal, and running to the Father. And then the moment my son... Okay, let go. <laughs> the moment my son runs to me, I come and I am... I embrace my boys. He smacks me out on my mouth. I embrace him. Okay, you come down. I love him. I love you, Lydia. Sin separates us from the Father. And why do we don't walk in sin? What what causes us to stop walking in sin? Real quick, having this reverential fear of who God is. I believe we've got to come back to a place where we, we revere the one who can not only kill the body, but destroy the, send us to hell as well. It's not a scared fear. My son is not afraid of, you're not afraid of me, are you? Good. I have to check. He's not afraid of me. But he reveres me. He honors me. He walks with high esteem of me. He obeys me. This is what a reverential fear looks like. He's not afraid. He can come to me at any time and jump on stage and then bash me in my face to get a hug. I think I'm bleeding. (laughs) Intimate life with Jesus. 
If there is sin in our lives, if there is any unrepentance in our lives, is there anything that you know that's causing you from being that close with your father? Like the prodigal son, you drop what you're doing and you run to him. Amen. This is all right. Good. Second point is this. Choose to pursue him. Can I read it out? <laughs> it's John's bank, uh, bank details. Oh, for <laughs> Choose to pursue him wholeheartedly. Choose to pursue Jesus wholeheartedly. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and I... And I knock. How... Is he knocking at your heart and we refuse to open? Let's be real for a minute. Why does he want to knock on our heart? So we can do things for him? He's not knocking so we can open the door and go, great, you open the door, cool. Can you serve on a Sunday morning? We need you on a hosting team. Awesome, cool. That's not what he does. He knocks on the door, on on our hearts, and it says in 3.20, Behold, I stand the knock and knock. If anyone hears me, Please, hears my voice and opens the door. I will come in and I will dine with him and him with me. There's this beautiful intimacy that takes place when we start to pursue him. He's the one pursuing us. He's banging going, hey, let me in. You said yes to me 20 years ago, but today you were drawn away. Let me in. I just want to hang out with you. Have you ever had people over for dinner? We've got Chinaware. Oh, we're Italian, right? And we have Chinaware. Don't, my wife's shaking her head at me now. And my kids, she's at the back parents' room dying. <laughs> she got offended. Um, my kids like, why don't we use these plates? It's like, oh, when for guests, when people arrive. It's not for the common. It's for when the special people arrive. <laughs> so I invite you to my house, either Wednesday or Friday. <laughs> and what happens? You bring people over and you want to cook your best, right? You don't want to cook your, you're like, hey, who's coming over? John's coming over. All right. We're cooking the best. Pasta aglio for John. He liked that one. Oh, good old Italian meat. And you put your best on. You put the best music. Make sure the kids are asleep. You look the best. You don't have your shorts on. What is it? There's this beautiful, intimate moment where you share things with the person who you invited in. They're in your home. There's this place of like, you can see how I live now. You can see how I interact with my kids. You guys don't know how I interact with my kids. I'm on stage. But you come to my house, you will see how I'm like with my kids. And what you see is what you get. I love my kids, right? And Jesus is saying, hey, I want to come and be with you. I want to see you in your down. I want to see you in your ups. I want to be with you when you're sad. I want to be with you when you're hurt. I want to be with you when you're happy. I want to share intimate moments with you only if you open and really let me in not just on a Sunday but a day just let me in close the door throw away the key and let me stay with you he's after your heart James 4 8 says draw near everybody say draw near draw near to God and he will draw near to you it's the once one time where you see God Almighty saying hey I want to be with you come to me so then I can come to you He's beckoning this. Draw near. Let's have context to this. In verse 1, it says this. James is looking at the condition of our hearts. It says, you adulterous people. Now, is that 
put a pause there. Draw near sounds good, right? Yeah, if I was to say, hey, hang out with me so I can hang out with you, you'd be like, I like this guy. This guy's good. But God, <laughs> but God says a couple of verses later, you adulterous people. Ouch. How are those two connected? What's going on here? Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity, enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you not, do you think the scripture says without reason? Here's the line. That he jealously longs for the spirit that has caused to dwell in us. God is jealously over you. He wants you. He wants all of you. And what we do at times is we take that and we become an adulterous people. I know I don't want to say this, but we need to tell you, we need to hear this because I've been there and I've done this. When we make the world my God, my sustainer, my everything. I get excited when Amazon comes over my door and knocks. It gives a little bit of joy. Why? Because secretly, I don't know, I've become friends with the things of this world. And if I wanted to go strangely dim, I need to draw near. I need to pursue him again. He is after your heart all through Scripture Deuteronomy 32, 16, Exodus 25, 34, and verse 14. There's a message that God is a jealous God. What's the number one commandment? I am the Lord your God. You shall worship no other gods beside me. He's in pursuit of you. His desire is you. He absolutely, you get in the picture that God absolutely loves you. The way I've stayed in this race for so long is that I've continued to draw closer to the heart of my Father every day. It causes me to say no to the rubbish of the world. It even causes me to say no to good things in the world that's going to take place of Him. And I focus on Him and I put Him first. I love Him. And I think when there's reverential fear of God, you start to see him show up like never before. And all of a sudden, you start to see signs, wonders, miracles take place in and through your life. Why? Because God knows he can trust you because you're not after the signs, wonders, and miracles. You're after his heart. And when you're after his heart, he goes, there's a man, there's a woman who's after my heart. Watch me bless them mightily because I know what they're going to do with the blessings I give them. They're not going to pour it out on themselves. They're going to pour it out on God's people. So others will be blessed. Draw near. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who draws near must believe he is. And there's a rewarder of those who seek him. This one verse has two principles. Draw near and seek him. See, drawing near is the heart attitude. Seeking him is expressed in the action. If he doesn't have your heart... If your heart doesn't draw near, we're never going to seek him by action. Why do we come? Why do we come to pray? Why do we lift our hands? Why do we? Because our hearts are drawn towards him. Our bodies will start to go after it. But you know what? There's many things that distract us to fall away, hey? Would you agree? This thing, I hate it so much. I didn't, uh, you know what? I'm off social medias. For those who have invited me to stuff, I have no idea because I don't, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. Um, but you know those people? <laughs> who go, I'm having a break on Facebook, and they put it on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, I'm so not doing that because I'm having a break on Facebook. But I am having a break of social media, and probably forever. And what I've decided to do is start reading more and more. 
Now, you don't have to do this, but I'm doing this because I want to draw after his heart more. So I've decided that the distractions of my life are going to be done and done dusted. So I got, I mean, four, I'm reading four books at the same time. Wow. I don't remember anything I've read. <laughs> I pick up a book. What are you talking about again? <laughs> no, I do. So here's the trick. I want to give you some pointers. How, how do you draw after him? Get off, like, Facebook's good. I have a good friend, Amit, here, right here. Amit, you're awesome. I love you, mate. Um, karate buddies, we trained together for ages, and um, he didn't know I was a Christian. And now it was great because he goes, ah, oh, when I found out who you are, I could tell you were a Christian. I was like, yes, representing Jesus well. God said to him on a beach, hey, um, go on Facebook and go to Sal's Facebook page. Oh, thank the Lord I don't put stupid stuff on my Facebook page. <laughs> Went on. He goes, he's a minister. No way. We connect. He's rededicated his life to God, him and his children. He's on fire. Full and starts speaking in tongues again. Holy Spirit's on him. He's called for great purposes. So Facebook's good, right? In that way. Lay the distractions aside. Get four books. We'll start with two. I have a book in different places. I've got one in the dining room, one in my lounge, one in my bed, and one in the car. Audible. Don't worry, I don't drive and read. Audible. <laughs> and what am I doing? I'm, I'm pursuing the heart of God. I'm putting stuff in me that's going to go after him. You know, if John and I want to be good friends, it doesn't happen by accident. I have to pursue this relationship with John. But if I want my friendship with John to cease, I don't need to pursue that. It's easy to drift away from a relationship. Just don't show up. But you can't drift into a relationship. A relationship must be pursued. And God is saying, I stand and I knock. Come and pursue me. Whatever distractions are in your life that are taking you from me, get rid of them. Pursue me. Amen. Whew. Everybody say, Shabbat. Hebrews 4.16, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in help of time of need. Let us draw near with confidence. This is exciting. Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save forever. Who? Those who draw near to God through him. He's able to save forever those who draw near. Hebrews 10.19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way opened for us through that curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He's drawing you in. Number three, and our last thought is this. We approach God, our God, with assured faith. Faith. Everybody say faith. Now faith. Not yesterday faith. Not last week faith. Not when you first got saved faith. Right now, present revelation faith is how we draw near to the heart of God. It is how we are able to step boldly, with confidence, into the throne room of heaven. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 10.22 says that. You have full assurance. Don't think that you can just approach. You have full assurance. But faith is the key. So how do we get faith? Romans 10.17, faith comes by? And hearing of the? (laughs) 
John, they're good. They, they know their Bible. Very good. Very good. Comes by hearing the Word and the Word of God. Doesn't come through just a sermon, a podcast, a Christian book. It comes from the very mouth of God Himself. You listening to my preach is not enough. You listening to His Word. Faith comes by hearing, by praying. As a church, we're doing a 40-day prayer. My encouragement is every single day. It doesn't matter if you're late. Pray. Go after Him. Go and pray. If it's five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 15 minutes every day, pray. Go hear His voice. What happens? Your spirit man gets built up. You start getting energized. You start, oh my gosh, I'm coming alive. Faith gets you to do the impossible. You can only walk on water when the Word of God says, Go. If you haven't heard the go, then don't go. You won't walk on water, if that makes any sense. See, this Bible is truth. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed. <sighs> Breathe. Comes from the throne of heaven himself. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete that you may be, I may be complete. We are equipped for every good work. Isn't that incredible that your father not only wants you for himself, but he goes, hey, I'm going to give you what you need to have an incredible life here on earth as well. You want 19 years of successful marriage? You want to raise four kids in the ways of the Lord? You want to have lasting friendships? You want to continue working in the ways of the Lord? Then get in this book because it is made for you and I to walk in righteous living. Amen? We don't read this, when we don't read this word and we don't allow our faith to come and be stirred, we believe the lies that we're not good enough. And when we believe the lives that we're not good enough, we don't come near to God. And when we don't draw near to God, we miss out on everything he has for us. Please, the enemy is a liar and I hate him. I hate Satan because he wants to lie to you and say you're not good enough. You don't know what you've done. What about this? What about this? Oh, now it's too late now. Look, we're already in February. It's too late to start a Bible plan. It's too late to start praying. It's too late. It's too late. As long as you have breath in your lungs, it's not too late. It is time to rise up and be the sons and daughters that the God of all creators called you to be. Don't worry about the enemy. Stuff him. Kick him. Walk in everything God has for you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness is a question. Because when you do, you will be filled. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Who will come to me will never go hungry. He says, I am, whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Isaiah 55, come, all you are thirsty, come to the waters. And you, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Psalm 63, oh God, my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul, my soul thirsts for you. Hunger and thirst enough to God is a scriptural concept. C.S. Lewis wrote this in The Weight of Glory. It's a good book. You want a good book? We are far too easily pleased that in the end is the reason we do not pray more than we do. Oh, so it makes me cry to think that I'm so pleased with my life that I don't go after God anymore. The way if I knew who He was, I would go after Him. You know, it's this... This hunger for God, sometimes we don't realize it, but there's an emptiness in here. I'm saying all this, and maybe you're not in here. You're like, I don't feel it, Sal. 
I don't feel it, Sal. I don't feel it, Sal. I want, I don't. This is, you know when you're sick? You know, I know when my kids are sick. It's the first thing that goes when they're sick. They hunger. They don't eat. When you don't eat from Him, the way you know we're meant to, you know that there's a spiritual sickness in our bodies. And this is not a condemnation. This is truth to realise that all you need to do is shift some things. Who's been tempted by this amazing gourmet or food right here? Yeah, all the kids. Which ones are you tempted with, kids? I had this out in my kitchen. And my kid, Nutella. My kids walk past. Oh, can I have one? What were they talking about? The fruit? Or this? They're all tomatoes here. They're all going after the chocolate and the chips and the tops and the M&Ms and the Nutella. It's... We fill our lives with so much of the junk in this world that we don't realize that God's goodness is right here. You see, this will never sustain or fulfill you. This will just cause you to be hungry again. And so you go after this. Man, this tastes very good. Just so you know, it's a dollar. It tastes incredible. I would down a whole packet myself thinking I'm full. And then I'm hungry again. So what do I go after? The M&Ms. These are great, right? They go down. And then what happens? I'm hungry again. But... It's funny, I'm not hungry for the stuff that sustains me, the stuff that makes my body strong, the stuff that actually is what my body needs, the stuff my body's craving, I'm not hungry for it. So what we need to do is go on a fast. Turn from the chocolate. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. And to the we fruit. hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed. Turn from the table of the world to the table of the Lord. And start to feast. So my challenge and my encouragement is this. Who wants intimacy with the Lord this year? Like you've never seen before. Where people will look at you and go, I knew you were a Christian. I knew you were a Christian. Oh my gosh, there's something about you. I just, you can't hide it because God is shining through you. It only happens when you're so intimate with Jesus, you become like Jesus. Everyone knows who my kids are. They act just like me and my wife. Can't help themselves. They're in my bloodline. They're surrounded by me. They do everything I do. The same way I want the world to look at us and go, we know who you are because you resemble Jesus. Why don't you stand? Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. And Lord, if there is anything in us, Lord, that has hindered true intimacy with you, true intimacy, like a daily intimacy where I know you, you know me, where you can smell my bad breath and say, I love you, son. Where you can see my pimples and go, it's okay, son, that will clear up. Where you can see my worries and go, it's okay, son, I've got you. It's okay, daughter, I'm with you. You have what it takes. That kind of intimacy where you don't need to walk in fear, you don't need to walk in, 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 in shame, you don't need to walk in guilt because your Father holds you and He loves you. Right now, we repent Father we just turn from how we've been living you don't need to come to the front you just need to have your time with, your, with Jesus now where do you know you need to make some changes so you can draw near to Him 
I just want you to go and speak to Him now. Close your eyes and speak. What is Jesus saying? What's the Holy Spirit saying? Revelation also says, lukewarm, I spit you out. I'd rather you hot and cold. Father, we don't want to be spat out. We don't want to be lukewarm. We're going to walk in reverential fear of who you are. We're going to walk in holiness. Father, if there's anything, if there's any sin, we lay it down now. And like David, we fully repent from that sin, that lifestyle. Father, we choose to walk in your ways. Lord, my prayer for every single person here right now, Lord, is that your spirit will empower them and me to be exactly these type of people. Father, give us the boldness to continue to approach. Father, give us the conviction to say no to the rubbish and say yes to you. Lord, make us hungry again. We choose to fast off the world and onto you, Lord. 